it's what you can control, right? Like you can't control applying for something and not getting turned down. You can influence or you can do, you can try your best and do a lot of different things, but they're the little things that you can control and how you eat, how you talk to yourself, how you, you know, there's a lot of things that you, you can, you can crazily impact you because you can control those. Hello, and thank you for joining me here on Hope to Recharge podcast, the podcast that's designed to break the stigma around mental health and to create some hope and inspiration and give some practical tips to those that are struggling with mental health, whether it's from personal stories to break the stigma or some advice from professionals in the mental health community. Whether you are struggling with mental health on your own or you know a loved one that is struggling, we are here to support you and to create a community so you you know you are not alone. The road to recovery can be difficult and challenging. At Hope to Recharge, we believe that in mental health, together is always better. I'm your host, Matana. Thank you for joining me here today. Today's episode is sponsored by BetterHelp.com. Are you looking for online therapy? Are you stuck at home like everyone else? High stress, high anxiety, worried about the future, trying to navigate everything, have a lot of worries, had a lot of emotional roller coaster rides up and down, just like me. BetterHelp.com is one phone call away, one Zoom call away, one text away. It's an online platform for therapy. It's so perfect for now, for coronavirus, for what people People are going through now. We can reach out and get the perfect therapist that meets our needs. Don't wait. Check them out. See if you can find somebody. Don't struggle. They're so affordable. They are so affordable. You're sitting at home. Every therapist is working online now. Reach out and get help you need. If you are struggling, don't struggle in silence. I am so grateful that they are giving us 10% off the first month so you can get affordable access to therapy. Go to betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge. Betterhelp.com forward slash hope to recharge, start your wellness, get help, get support you need. Hello, and thank you for joining me here on Hope to Recharge podcast, the month, May, breaking the stigma on mental health. We were trying to bring you as many stories as possible to motivate anybody out there that is still thinking if they should share their story with a loved one or support or gain support or gain hope or find somebody that can take them out of their darkness and their suffering and and find some way to heal or to get out of their misery. So we're really working hard on Hope to Recharge to bring more conversation to mental health awareness and mental illness and to share personal stories from people like us that go through life and have something that they're struggling with, they overcame it. And maybe they didn't overcome it for a long time and maybe they overcame only 10%, but we want to share other people's journey so you can be inspired to not live in darkness anymore. And if you know someone that's living in pain of mental illness, to support them and help them to find their support. In the month of May, which is Mental Health Awareness Month, it is extremely important that we bring as many stories and conversations out to the world to inspire others and to give others strength to share the story. Today, I'm introducing to you Kristen Hampshire. I met him on a mastermind group um, that we're both attending. The thing is in this group that we all have a story, but we feel very safe to share what we're really going through because the support in this group is just love, acceptance, empowerment, and tremendous amount of together is better. 
This group is just unbelievable. Kristen posted the other day, maybe it was two weeks ago. It was beginning of May. Maybe it was the beginning of May. It was. It was I think um, it was May 1st, just to kind of kick off the, the month. Yeah. Yeah. And I right away, I was like, I read the post a few times because I had to process it. And then I reached out and I, first of all, said like, wow, incredible. First of all, what an incredible courage it is to to come to a lot of people that know you, but don't know you and some don't know you at all. And to just to share the absolute raw moments of your life. And I asked him if he's willing to come and share it on our podcast, because I think there's so many powerful points in his story. So thank you for joining me here today, Kristen. Yeah, no, thank you. It, it took me probably about a year and a half to, to really kind of embrace my vulnerabilities and come out and talk about it. I don't share my feelings. Um, I'm a typical guy that way. And so it, it, it was a long time uh, coming. But when I started putting my story out there, I ended up I couldn't keep up with comments or calls and different things from strangers in other parts of the world to neighbors down my street talking about how all sorts of different things from one guy that lived literally on the other street said he had, he had been planning to hit his car into a, um, a barricade recently. Does he planned it out? It, it, it was kind of crazy. We're just talking and, and kind of in tears. Um, so it, it, it really has been a blessing, my story. And, and sometimes when I tell people my story, um, it's weird seeing the reactions. Uh, some people, some people say, Oh, I'm sorry. I'm like, no, like I, I wouldn't change it in a heartbeat. I'm so much stronger and, and now I can have the chance to use it to help people. So Well, I'm grateful that we'll be able to hear your story. I just want to give the audience a little bit of a background. Where did you grow up? I grew up uh, basically born and raised in Salt Lake City, Utah, uh, just right up on the, on the mountains. Uh, so close to Park City and all the ski resorts. And so just a kind of a mountain, mountain kid there. You seem like a very calm person. Yeah. I'm very, I'm very chill. Uh, you're very, you're always chilled and calm, I'm, reserved, I'm a little reserved. Probably no, not really necessarily reserved, but very calm. Probably one of the most competitive people I know. Uh, so I have oh, really? and competitiveness that, yeah, um, which kind of is what took me into the ultra, ultra running and, and things. But yeah, I, I, uh, I'm just positive. I'm a very happy guy and I get along with everyone. I just love life that way. And, and so, but I am, I have, I'm very competitive. <laughs> okay. And what kind of um, upbringing did you have? Yeah, it's interesting um, that you kind of talk about that because a little while ago, I got into some some people, you know, you read some of these amazing books. There's one I just read. I don't know if you ever heard of David Goggins. Um, of course. Yeah. We're in the same group. Remember, there's yeah. no one that's going to read yeah, it. Right? What's funny, like, I, I mean, yeah, um, I actually paced a friend at Leadville last year and I, I saw him running in the race and I was literally jumping over people to take his picture and it's like I just saw Michael Jordan or some, you know, huge athlete, but his book can't hurt me. And, and you know, I've read all these different books and it's it's interesting hearing their stories. And, and I couldn't relate really because I had a great upbringing. You know, I, I came from a great, very loving family. My dad has always owned his own business. He's a very entrepreneur. And, and that's kind of where I've gone and, and uh, have that drive in me as well. But the, as I've kind of gone through my journey and, 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 and I've kind of gone through my life, I look back and, and it kind of starts painting a picture for me where uh, my parents who are better people, the better people than I'll ever be, they just have the most amazing hearts. And I always set the bar, you know, you always want to raise the bar. And, and so, you know, I, I became very competitive, very goal oriented. I had a, a great family and I wanted to provide more so for my family. 
or, or just, I wanted to have a bigger impact and whatever it may be, you know, I, I wanted to be, we're all capable of so much that I, I had. So, you know, I've, I, and, and I think this was a, a big part of, uh, along with all the external factors, you know, um, coming at me that, that made me spiral a little bit out of control. Just as you get older, you kind of start evaluating what, what you're doing now and where you think you should be. But, um, so yeah, I had a, you know, I played a lot of sports growing up. Uh, my dad started, he was a big skier. He used to be on the ski patrol and started me skiing when I was two or like two and a half years old and, um, skied on a, a ski team up here at, in snow, at Snowbird, Utah. So I've always been active. I was, I've always been in the mountains hiking and, and doing things, but I've, I've never really suffered that much in terms of, you know, parental abuse or, um, no major traumas or, or traumas, you know, financial things or, you know, it's funny when I grew up, it's different now, right? Like I'm, um, I remember we used to go to Sun Valley, Idaho every summer for right around, um, Fourth of July, and and my parents had to stay with someone that they knew. And to to your comment earlier about me in reserved, I'm a I'm a prankster, and I always love playing jokes. And, and no way. And the 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 guy's wife had dentures, and I found one of these bath balls, like these soap bath balls, <laughs> and I and I put it in her in her cup that she and 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 I can still hear to this day when she put her teeth back in. The oh pocket. my god! He he took out a belt and whipped me. Um, oh my goodness! We're doing that, and and I, at the time, I was like, okay, I deserve that. I don't know, like it was, it, oh my, it was it, it, interesting compared. I mean, to now, I mean, he'd go to jail. <laughs> yeah, but um, so um, wow. overall, good, good upbringing. Do you have siblings? I have one older brother. He's three years older. Are you competing with him subconsciously? Was he always, like I'm, a superstar? I've always been better than him. <laughs> Always no, been better than um, him. Uh, you, you laugh when I say because that, you know it, because you know it, yeah. or because you worked on it to get. Did you always, since you're like little, two three years old, did you always want to be like him or better? Yeah, I always wanted to beat him. Wow, yeah. is he an awesome guy? He's great. Yeah, we're 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 we're, we're still very close. Yeah. Wow. And he, he lives fifteen minutes from me too, so it's it's great that his kids are about the same age as my kids, and so it's it's right. really fun. Right. Okay. So, and what do you do for a profession? Um, right now, I work for a, a, a large company that they they do outsource sales, and so I run sales teams for large software companies from Google to you know Slack to um, a lot of these big, um, mostly in the Bay Area. So I run sales teams for them. I've done a lot of different things in the past, from starting up my own nutrition company and selling it to working in many different startups to... I remember I've changed jobs a lot because it's just... I feel like I'm, I need to be part of something. I don't know. Like I have a... I have, there's something that's unfulfilled in me. And, and I still remember my wife saying, what's going to satisfy you? And, and um, we, we, we've had an argument about what the word satisfy means. Um, I don't think I'll ever truly be satisfied. I think you could be happy, right? But... I think we have a different definition of what satisfied, like but to me that, that, that means you've accomplished, you, you've hit the goal. It's in the past, like I achieved this and so I'm satisfied. But if I say win a race or whatever, I'm not satisfied because I can know I can do better. And so in the next race, I want to run faster or whatever. And so I'm happy about the journey fulfilled, but I want to, I feel like I have so much more to accomplish. Um, You're hungry for more. And, You're and, always hungry for more. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I mean, I've 
started up a business now kind of just to build a community and awareness around mental health. And so that's been kind of mostly my passion and, and mission right now is just to break down the stigma around mental health and help people. Is sales your passion? Is it something that you love doing and you're good at? I'm good at it because I love people. So for me, it's all, it's the main word in sales is empathy, in my opinion. So it's like, I, I'm, I've been really good at putting myself psychologically into someone else's shoes and saying, okay, you know, what's really going to resonate from a message, a pitch or whatever? Like, how can I truly help this person be more successful? I, I've just, by how I approach things and how I can motivate teams or just as an individual contributor or manager, I've done extremely well with it because because of that. Because you don't have that salesman personality. Like what I'm looking at you and you're like, you're so calm. You're not like sometimes the salespeople like have like these, a lot of energy and they're trying to do something. And you're just yeah. like, you just, you just show up the way you are and you're calm and you're not trying to overdo it. I think sometimes salespeople overdo it and you're like, okay, just chill. Yeah. Just chill. Right. Like, okay, <laughs> it's not about the sale. Just chill. That's why I'm just so in awe that you're so calm and you're good at sales. And <laughs> it's it's beautiful to see. When did you get married? I got married on Cinco de Mayo. Uh, in oh, your anniversary. Yeah. So we just had our anniversary, which is weird this year. 2006? Yeah, 2006. I know. It's like, oh my God, you look so young. <laughs> yeah. I, you look really young. I don't even know what I am. I always I'm always off a year or two. 42, we'll be 43 this year. Okay, we're the same age. Yeah. We're the same age. Look at that. Uh, you don't look that at all. And how many kids do you have? Because I saw in pictures you have kids. Yeah, I have two. I have a nine-year-old boy and a six-year-old daughter. And mm -hmm. yeah, they're the most amazing little humans in the world. But it's uh, my son who's part of my story. And, and um, his name's Kingston. Um, but mm -hmm. he was born at 24 weeks gestationally. So he was, his due date was in ha Halloween. He likes his holidays because his due date was on Halloween. He was born on the 4th of July and came home from the NICU um, on Thanksgiving Day. So you know, wow. the, they gave him like a 30% chance to live. And they said, if he does, he's, he'll have cerebral palsy or you name it, laundry list of right. stuff. And, and so it's, he he was a rock star in the NICU. I mean, he had very slim chance of stuff, but you, he's nine and you went, he's amazing. You wouldn't be able to tell he wears glasses from being on the oxygen. And, and so now when I run a race, I always put, cause it fits perfectly on my knuckles at bright Kingston in, in longer distance running races that there, there you, you have to dig down and find a different part of yourself at, at certain points to, to kind of right. keep going. Continue. And he was just such a rock star at the NICU that, you know, for me, it gives me motivation. I look down at my knuckles and, and it's like, my goal is to show him that, Hey, an ounce of your strength came from your dad. So Oh my God, that is so beautiful. That is so beautiful. So he's a constant reminder that you fight for life and you, yeah. and you show up and you just take one breath at a time, literally. Yeah. Like that's what he did. One breath at a time when he was in the, any, everybody's hands, but himself, he just had to exist at that point. He couldn't, he couldn't do anything but breathe. Right. Yeah. Be a and fighter for a inside. good part of it, he couldn't even breathe on his own. So. Wow. Wow. Yeah. What a lesson. What a lesson. So take us down this road of, of your episode that happened to you recently that you shared with the world. And what was before that? What led up to that? First share the episode and then we'll go a little bit back to like, we'll try to understand what led to it. Yeah. We can kind of talk to, you know, throughout my life, I, I played rugby uh, for Highland High School for anyone out there as ever heard of Highland High School Rugby. It's There was a movie called Forever Strong that was made after it. 
Um, the coach, Larry Gilwicks, he, he had won, I think it was 436 years of coaching. He won 418 games and only lost 10 and won like 20 national championships. He's one of the most winningest coaches ever. And, and for a, high, a Highland for a, or a high school rugby team, it was insane. Just so I learned so much through him, the work ethic structure process. But I've, I, to go back to my story before, I, I've always ran or I've always hiked a lot and I've ran for workouts and I want to be outside. And so rugby is very much like soccer where you're constantly running. And I ended up playing rugby in, in college at the University of Utah too. But one thing I did a lot then is run, right? And, and, um, and so then, you know, a little bit later, I met my wife and we started competing in triathlons and doing shorter distance triathlons. And I never cared to run anything long distance, like a marathon for me. I was just like, I just had no desire. Um, the longest I'd ran is a half marathon in, in an Olympic distance a triathlon. But I love pushing myself and the mental aspect of that. And so one day I was, I was sitting down and I loved to read and I was reading a book called Born to Run. I think Born to Run spurred the whole barefoot movement and all sorts, sorts of stuff. It's actually a really good book. But I remember reading it and I had an epiphany, kind of like I prided myself on my workouts and how tough they were. My, my buddy and I would always say, our, our, our warmups are harder than your workouts or whatever. You know, we, we just, we thought, you know, we worked out hard. But it's like an hour, right? We're working out for an hour. And, and so, and, you know, I'd never been in war or done anything along those lines. And so I'd, I'd never done, I'd never been in a situation where I had to push myself past my limits where um, I would, I had to. And so all of a sudden I just said, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to prove, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to find out if I'm mentally tough. And I signed up, I sought out the, t- the toughest 50K in the, in the country or arguably the toughest 50K in the country. Cause if I was going to run a long race, I didn't want it to be some cream puff race, right? Like if I quit <laughs> in it, I didn't want someone to be like, do you, yeah, you quit in that race. Like that's like, uh, okay, that's flat or what? I don't know. So, so you set a real high bar for yourself. So Yeah. Right. And so it was called the speed, speed goat 50 K and it's just crazy up and down these mountains. And so I went and I found my bottom many times through that race. And did you train for it? Yeah. Well, I, I tried never, I had no clue what the hell I was doing. But I, did you train? Did you say I like, trained, yeah, I, yeah, but, but okay. I, I think I was severely under trained. Cause again, I had no clue what I was doing. And now, now I do, but, um, and I remember when, so when my body, this has happened to me on a few races where I think my body all of a sudden is like, okay, you're dying. So we're going to, we're going to flood you with like endorphins. And I still remember at the exact mileage, it was like at 28 miles. I just got all these endorphins. And when, when I get flooded with these emotions, it's always gratitude and love for some reason. And I remember trying to call my wife. I was, I left her a voice message and I'm super glad she deleted it because I was just blubbering. And I'm like, I love you so much. And you mean the world to me. And if she did that to me, I'll record it on everything. Right. And just always play it for her and be like, listen, <laughs> why did she delete it? I don't know. I mean, that was back. That was, you know, t- 10 years ago in 2010. Okay. <laughs> and, uh, but anyways, I passed the finish line for, and the, the guy that puts it on, his name's Carl Meltzer. He's the winningest hundred mile racer in the world. He's, he's a crazy guy. But he puts it on and he shakes everyone's hands across the finish line. And wow. But then, but then, so I remember talking to him and I'm not going to repeat what I told him there because it's probably not the most, it's probably not the, the best platform to, to say that on. But um, for some weird reason, I kept on doing these races. Um, you know, then we had, we had kids. Actually, I had my son at the time and I have this pit, awesome picture of him. We just barely brought him home, home from the NICU and he's in the stroller. My wife was at, at the finish line. And then several years later, you know, I, I started 
running more, more and more running a 50 mile race. And, and, um, I caught the bug and wanted to do a hundred mile race. I ended up putting in for a lottery for, there's a, a local race here called the Wasatch 100, which is a hundred mile race through the Wasatch front or the Rocky mountains here. It's nonstop. So you just, you just keep running. You, you stop at an aid station to fill up, you know, nutrition or whatever you need. And, um, so this is in 2016. As the, I got into the lottery, I think December of 2015. The race was in the beginning of September of 2016. And I was working for, I was running sales for a, a software, a predictive analytics software company. And, and um, we ended up going through an acquisition and they ended up letting a lot of people go. They basically let everyone go except for, you know, like the two people, right? So at the time, I'm like, I'm awesome. You know, um, I can go run in the mountains. I can be Mrs. Doubtfire or whatever with my kids build that bond and, 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 and prepare better for the race and, and, and just take it, just recharge. It, it was great. So for me, after a long, hard run, there's nothing better than like a really ice cold beer. So, you know, to have a beer after a, a run and then all of a sudden you don't have a job and it's like, okay, I want three more beers. And then like, you know, you're drinking a six pack after every run that, well, this was most, you know, like this was like summer. So I think, uh, we kind of lost our jobs in like June timeframe. So a few months leading up to September and that's still, you know, it's still good. For the most part, I, I probably was, there was a lot of things that were coming at me that I didn't really, you know, realize what, how they were affecting me from alcohol to, to these different things. And so I ran the, this race. One thing that was really crazy to me, I ended up putting a post on it when I finished it. During the race, I became very maniacal in terms of focusing on the every step. So every aid station, I had exactly down what I needed to drink, my nutrition. And so I was just myopically focused on each aid station. I never once really thought of, okay, I'm at mile 80 or I have 30 miles to go or whatever. And it was really crazy because when I crossed the finish line, I had this surreal moment kind of saying, I don't want to discredit anyone that has done that race because still to this day, even though I've done many hundreds since, it was just one of the coolest things for me. But what was interesting, it was, it was like, man, that, I didn't do anything special. Like in every, we all can easily do that. Like it, it, it was crazy. You know how it is if you set like a lofty goal for you and you, right. you complete right. it and you're like, that wasn't that bad. Um, right. Or depending right. on how you prepare and and, right. and go into right. it, but ironically enough, I think that was the start of the catalyst for me because I, I all I was focused on was that goal for the last mostly that year. Right, I had finished it. I was trying to recover, so I wasn't working out, and I need physical. I, I'm a guy that if I'm not working out, I, that's mentally taxing on me. I need it, mm -hmm. and so right. I didn't have the 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 goal in my, you know I completed that. Um, I didn't have anything else to look forward to. I was constantly um, interviewing or applying for jobs. Um, mm. I always have the analogy of a boxer. So, you know, if you, you're a boxer, you get knocked down, you pop right back up. You keep getting knocked down and it gets a little harder and harder each time to get up. To get up. It was the same with me when I was applying for all these jobs. For a while, I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm not going to get every job. But then all of a sudden, you, you're just applying for anything and everything. And there's a lot of jobs that you're like, I'm way overqualified, but you're at, you get to a point where like, I, I kind of need a job now. And we were... This was 2017 already? This was, this was the fall of 2016. Okay. Um, just right post that race. So, so that fall and right. the winter time, you know, it was, okay. it was getting winter. I wasn't active, you know, you, then you get seasonal right. depression too or whatever. Right. But right. my wife, she, she actually runs 
a marketing company and it was, it's her busiest time of the year. So she was really stressed and me, you know, we were financially okay, but me without being a job, I mean, we were eating into savings certain, you know, different things. And, and she was just, it was stressing her out as long as well as work mostly. And I was looking at it in a different lens as well. And so, you know, we, we had a nanny for a while cause we were both full-time parents and we let her go. Cause obviously I could help the kids and, and do that stuff. My son was struggling with school. Um, he would get an, uh, you know, the teacher would email him an assignment or something and I would miss the email or, you know, and, and my wife would come home and be like, what, you know, have you guys didn't do the assignment. And then she, then she would say something like, well, I have to do everything. I have to work and do this. And so I kept on hearing these things and, and I know she was just stressed and she, you know, she, I just took things how differently and all of a sudden, and I still remember there were many times where there's sometimes we'd have to drive to a certain place, but maybe we had to leave at different times or whatever. And so we drove separately and you know, the kids would always want to ride with her because one, they're probably with me all the time. And, uh, and, but they just prefer riding with her in the car. And, and so it was weird how all of these little things started impacting me where all of a sudden, and I still remember years ago, my wife, uh, I think someone had committed suicide or something. And she, and she was saying, it's the most selfish thing someone could do. And uh, I was sitting there and, and, and at that point, for me, I, and I know everyone's different, right? Everyone has, you know, when they go into depression or have any sort of suicidal thoughts or anything. It's completely different. But and for me, it was the most unselfish thing in my mind, right? Where especially, you know, men and women, we put ourselves in our boxes where we think what a, a, a man or a woman should be, right. um, especially in today's society. And yes, and it's weird how we're wired, especially biologically and certain things. Totally. With men. Totally. Like, all of a sudden, I couldn't protect my tribe, right? Like I couldn't, I couldn't provide for them. I came from, you know, my upbringing from a, a pretty, you know, you know, a, you know, financially set, you know, diff, it, it was great. And all of a sudden, I felt like I was failing. I couldn't support my right. family. I wasn't hitting my goals. I was completely failing. My kids, you know, I kept on thinking, well, my kids would rather be with my wife. My wife's not. I'm not making my wife happy. I'm stressing her out, and I can't do the one thing that when we got married that I promised her I'd do was take care of her. So like there are all of these things. And um, so I got to the point where like my, I, I thought to myself, my family is better off without me. You know, like we have several million dollar insurance policy or whatever. And so then they, I'm like, they could be set for a while. Right. I wish you could see um, right out my window here. My whole house faces this mountain called Lone Peak. And um, it's just... It, You'll send me a picture and I'll, we'll put it I'll, on I'll shoot, the episode. Maybe. It's such a magnificent yeah. mountain. There's wow. these huge granite cliffs at the top. I had always wanted to run it. That year I did. And I went to the top and, and the first thing I did when I got home was Googled how many people died on Lone Peak because I, I was getting sweaty palms at the top. I mean, there's it, it's just these sheer cliffs. And oh if my you dug your toe, I mean, you're toast for sure. Oh, like, my there, God. There were times that I had to shimmy around some rocks. And if I was oh hanging on. Oh, my God. And, and so I have fear of yeah, heights. So even you. I, even you describing it, like I have like a pit in my stomach. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, yeah. And I planned to go to the top of Lone Peak and, and take a tumble, right? And that was kind of... What, my, what, when was this? When was this, this that you this said, was, I'm going to, when early, you climbed that mountain and you said, oh, you know what? This is a great place to no, suicide. Well, 
I didn't think that at the time. I, I, I went to the top of Lone Peak that the summer of 2016 before I did Wasatch. It was the beginning of the year in 2017 when I was in when I was in this mindset. And I just was thinking because I stare at that mountain every day and I'm just like, okay, I, I go, you know, I run every day. That's the perfect, you know, no one's going to question that. It's an accident, a, you know, a tragic accident. And um, so that's what I, I planned. And, and I still remember a little bit after that, there's this book, this, I, don't, I think it's, you know, it's a Christian book or religious book or, um, called You Are Special. And so I remember I was, I was sitting with my son, Kingston, and it's about these little wooden people that they call Wemic people. And, you know, if they trip or fall or if they're not perfect, they get these dots and these dots appear on them or something. And there was this wee mick girl that had zero dots. And there was this one guy that had all of these dots and he was ashamed to go out of his house. And, you know, he saw her and was kind of like, hey, what, what, why don't you have any dots? And, he, and she was like, I'll show you. And she took him to this guy who was the, uh, the guy that, that, that was the maker, right? Like he, he was the, the carpenter and whittling the, them out of wood. You know, he's like, I, I, I convinced her or I showed her how special she was. So her dots fell off basically. And so I still remember reading that to my son and I was bawling. You know, he was like, I see what? you're choking up yeah, now, well, he, just he, telling you. I know I have, I've told this story so many times and, you know, there are times that you're just I remembering get that it. moment. Yeah, it's, yeah. It, it all comes back. And I remember my son looking at me and he's like, you all right, dad? I'm like, I just got something in my eye, you know, I'm like, <laughs> I'm good. You know, just trying to play it off. But I, you know, I'm not, I grew up religious, but I'm, I'm not, you know, I'm not religious anymore or, or go down a whole rabbit hole of that. But um, I, I hadn't prayed or done anything forever. And I remember he went upstairs and I, in his bedroom, downstairs and I went to his room and I remember praying my guts out just kind of saying like you know like am I special or whatever it was I like you know I don't I'm not expecting a miracle but maybe like twinkle like my toe or something it was interesting. what were you looking for I just want to sorry for interrupting I don't what know. were you were you looking for a spark of hope were you looking for inspiration were you feeling so numb and dead inside that you needed somebody to say you're enough yeah I, I was looking for like I didn't know what I was looking for but it was some just any little light of hope because yeah I was basically had the proverbial gun in my mouth of you know I didn't like have worth at the time or, or whatever it was right like you know you know I just felt like uh, you know I wasn't doing what I should be or whatever it was. But, and it was interesting. I felt the most empty feeling. It was, it was really crazy. And, and you, you think to you at that point, you're like, okay, well, if you went through that and you felt that feeling, you'd think you'd be like, okay, it's, I'm going to go to the top of that mountain now. Um, but I, and, and I still don't know what, I mean, obviously when you kind of come out of your funks and different things, it takes a while. And when you look back at things, it, it looks like it happened really quick coming in or coming out. There's this guy named Jared Campbell, who was, uh, he was in, he's in several documentaries for running and he's, he's a fairly big deal. And so when I was training for Wasatch, the Wasatch 100, you have to do, tra they require you to do, to do eight hours of trail work, every, every runner to do that, to kind of help support the mountains and which is, it, it's, it's a nice thing. And like always, I procrastinated to the last minute to do it. And, and so did he. And so we were doing our trail work together. And, uh, I remember I knew who he was and I was talking to him like, Hey, what can you tell me? What kind of advice can you give me to for my first hundred mile race? And he he told me about a story when he was pacing the guy that you know his whole body was cramping up. He was in bad shape, and he he said, "I'm done." And and he said, "You know, let's just go to that next tree." And then at that tree, he's like, let's just go to that next tree. And then all of a sudden, he's like, dude, we're a quarter mile from the aid station. We have to go there anyways. And then he said, all of a sudden, he was running faster than he ever had in the entire race. And so 
the, the tagline or the motto for Wasatch 100 is 100 miles of heaven and hell. Super true, by the way. But um, he was just like, remember when you're in that hell that there's a heaven right after you. And so it really stuck with me. For me, like a 100 mile race is very indicative of life where you're, you're towing, towing the line with all of these different people. Such well, one, not you know, I think you're wired a little differently if you're going to go do a hundred mile race. And so you meet some interesting people, but just talking to people throughout the race. And, and remember, I posted something that same Wasatch thing um, that I posted where, you know, I said, what was so back to my analogy of the hundred mile race, you have your pacers at certain points, you know, you can only have a pacer at, at a certain mileage for X amount of miles, or whatever, you can have a crew, but it's a solo journey, right? Like we have our support, we have our people with us, but no one truly knows what's going through your head. My wife didn't even know where I was like when I told her when I, you know, she was completely shocked and everyone because I'm just a positive I hit it well, and I didn't want to tell anyone. I, I remember at that pure predictive company, I was talking to a coworker, and this is before I got depressed. But he was telling me about he he was in depression for a while, and he actually planned his suicide too. And I remember him to this day saying to me, "Hey, if you have these thoughts, don't say anything to anyone." Because he he said if you tell your doctor, he specifically was saying your doctor or other people, because he told me if, if you say certain keywords, they have to report it. And uh, and I, and I was freaking out when I was having these thoughts. I'm like, I didn't know who to talk to or her to not even your wife. No, because you she, weren't. So, you didn't feel safe to tell her. Listen, I'm she, really in a dark place. She was just like me before, where um, I thought it was weakness. I mean, I, she would have been there for me, but I, I didn't think she could understand to that extent. Like like I was saying before, like addiction and depression for me before I went through this, I just I literally thought it was weakness, right? Like I didn't understand. I, I didn't understand it. I, I never really truly went through any, any addiction or, or anything through my life. I went through other things, but um, and so I didn't want to tell anyone because I'm like I'm not broken. I don't you know I don't want to be committed. But I just truly thought I was just like, okay, I, I'm, I'm a failure. So, you know, I, I'd rather have my family be supported. And I thought that was the way I could support my family. What made you not go up to that mountain when you feel, yeah, felt, well, what stopped you? When I, when I wrote that um, thing for the, the Wasatch 100, basically, uh, people always ask me what, you know, what motive, you know, you always get that typical question, like what motivates you or what inspires you? And, and it kind of just started clicking to me when I started really thinking about my story. When I, when I would run the, the speed goat 50 K or every single race, my family just like, when I hit that, that low, it was my family, like, you know, or just people that I, I you know, it was people that carried me to through, right? Like just the pure love. And then the, the, there's so much good out there. You know, when you make someone's day or just when I'm in a race and talking to someone, just that just hearing their story, just having fun with them and, and laughing. Like it's, it, it, it truly, the more I thought about, you know, like just completely just couldn't wait to see my family at the finish line and all sorts of stuff. And so it's, it's people, what is what truly motivates me and kind of what, what pulled me out was just, maybe it was these random acts of kindness of people or whatever it was like that just kind of compiled and and I'm just like hey like people this is actually a good life and and there's a lot more to it and so a, as you start pushing through more and more of that your heaven your your sunrise starts coming right it it, it gets easier and easier to come out and you know I I, you, yeah, I can't obviously can't pinpoint a day or something that I'm like I'm good you know like 
what, what the crap just happened to me, but, um, it's interesting. And, and, um, but the, there, there's one thing I remember listening to a podcast of Tim Ferriss. And so Tim was talking about how he had planned his suicide and, and things. And he mentioned something at the time I didn't really understand where he said, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm still fighting my demons every day and different things. And, and I was like, Oh man, okay. And, um, it was weird just this last summer, my son, he's in Cub Scouts. I don't know if you've heard of Pinewood Derby, but they make these little wood cars and they race them. And so, you know, I remember doing it with my dad and building my car and sanding it down. And, and so I was kind of looking forward to doing it with him. And so I was sanding the car down and doing all that stuff with him. And, and, um, you know, like any good dad, I was thinking about drilling some holes and putting some weights in there, so cheating for him. So he wouldn't. <laughs> but um, I, I didn't. But um, when when we went to race, he took dead last. Like he didn't come close to to beating another car. The look on his face, you know, he just went over and threw his car away. And uh, it was really weird how that just triggered all of those same emotions. Wow. Again, where all of a sudden I'm like, I'm failing again. You know, kind of like oh, I just man. felt like I let him down so bad. And you know, as a parent, I mean, that just rips you apart. Um, Awful. Awful. Yeah. I mean, it's weird how every now and then, yeah, some things, it's a roller coaster ride. Some things attack you, but you know, you just got to kind of regroup and, and uh, you know, each time you, I think hopefully come back stronger and stronger, but. So that story, that night when you told your son that story in your mind, you're like, okay, I'm empty. I'm done. I can't do this anymore. I'm so low. I'm just going to gift my family the idea that I'm not going to be here anymore. I'm going to gift it to them because I'm just a burden. Well, yeah, I, I wanted to, I wanted to take care of them. And I thought that I, I'm like, I can't provide for them. Obviously right now I'm like, I'm getting turned down by jobs and getting them insurance money was kind of my idea of, of taking care of them. What happened the next day? I mean, well, that's a good question. I can't really remember the, the next day. I mean, I, I was still in a funk uh, a little while after that. The one good thing about Lone Peak, it's a big ass mountain. It takes a long time to hike to get to the top. And so I, I always kind of wonder if I made it up to the top, if I could think through things. My For my birthday, my birthday is on August 6th. And I went up for the first time since then last August. And I remember posting a picture of the two different pictures of when I was up there in 2016 and 2019. And it was kind of like, you know, same picture, same place, but completely different mindsets. But I, I remember when I went up there in, in 2019 on August 6th, uh, I remember looking down those cliffs and, and I just remember thinking to myself, man, that would have hurt. Like, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. I'm just like, what was I thinking? How could, I don't, I don't know. Like when, once you get up there, you're like, Oh, whoa, I don't, that's a, it's a lot of rocks I'm going to hit going down to your question. I, it, it was just, um, I don't know. I, you know, it, it, it took me still a little, little, like a month, uh, basically after that kind of story night that I really started pulling out and, um, that's it. Yeah. Probably like a month or two after, you know, How? well, it was early spring. So 2017, uh, kind of, I don't know, you know, again, I think it, it was just a culmination, like, that sent me into the spiral. And I think it was a culmination of um, a lot of different things that, you know, I, I started taking care of myself a little better in terms of I started eating better, running more. Um, and then all of a, a sudden, I got, all of a sudden in March, I got a job. Um, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, it just, I'm like, I could see the light and I'm like, okay, like, I, I think I can do this. So basically you made a choice to live one more day or yeah. one more minute, yeah. it get through one, it. One, one and I'm going to that next tree. one more step. Right. One more step. And I'm going to make a choice to eat better today, to run. I'm going to take what I do have. I don't have a job and there's nothing I could do about it. I'm applying. I can't find, I can't find a job, but I do have a choice. What goes in my mouth. I do have a choice to run 
or to, to, to exercise. So I'm going to make the right choices to improve whatever I'm feeling now. And that's all I could do. It's what, yeah, you, you, it's what you can control, right? Like you can't control applying for something and not getting turned down. You can influence or you can do, you can try your best and do a lot of different things, but they're the little things that you can control and how you eat, how you talk to yourself, how you, you know, there's a lot of things that you, you can, you can crazily impact you. Um, Cause you can control those. At what point did you tell your wife about this? It was still a little while after that, to be honest, it was, uh, it probably wasn't until later in the year. Um, when you were doing better already. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I mean, I was scared and nervous. I mean, it's, um, I still really haven't spoken to my parents about it. You know, they're of a different generation. I mean, mm -hmm. I came out with a podcast as well called get naked podcast and I'm changing it, doing something different with it. But the get naked obviously was the clickbaity title of it. Uh, like, but it was meant to be like, Hey, this is me warts and all like embrace your vulnerabilities. And so my first episode is me telling my story and I, I labeled it embrace your vulnerabilities was, but it, it, it took me like a year to, to put that out there. Cause and finally I had, I just came to my, you know, to myself and said, Hey, just, you have to embrace your vulnerabilities and, and get this out. Like you got to get naked. And, but it, I, I didn't really think for so long. It was like, I just had these excuses in my head of like, I'll do this next week. Or I had it recorded and I, and I ended up recording like six or seven other episodes, actually, I think before mine. And, and, but I wanted to get my story out as the first episode just to kind of set the the stage and, and tone of it. And, um, but I, I think I finally came to the conclusion that, you know, I was, I was just nervous of sharing my story. Um, but most importantly that my parents and, and people would see it. Um, I know my parents have, have listened to it. They, they, they've been very supportive um, and we've kind of indirectly talked about it kind of, but I've never really right. sat down with them and talked about it. Was your wife supportive? Yeah, was she, she upset that you didn't tell her? originally when you were going through it or did she understand I think she understood i mean she wasn't she she was up she, she yeah she wasn't she was let down that i didn't maybe trust her or confide enough in her that way um but you know we had we had talked about my story and stuff and i don't think it, it wasn't until i remember she was flying home from a work trip and she had downloaded my episode my first episode and, and listened to my story and she kind of called me crying and just said it may, you know like it, I, I maybe had explained it better in there and she just like kind of said i get it like i don't know like we we were both so i'm a big for me like within sales like personal life professionally I always say communicate to a hundred. It's always, it's all about communication. I can, I can, if there's ever an issue in your marriage to whatever it is in life, it, you can almost always pinpoint it to communication. And during that time we were just in different paths and, you know, she, she saw, she could feel that I was unhappy and it stressed her out and she was stressed at work and stuff. And so, but she didn't know what I was going through and I was unhappy because I felt like I was making her unhappy. And so there's, there's a lot of things. And I think if we, if we just communicated better at that time, it would have, it actually would have solved the, you know, probably could have saved my life then. Right. So. Right. And you might've felt stronger because you weren't alone yeah. because basically you got out of your funk alone, which is which, so unusual. It is. It, it is. And as and it happened so fast because in a way yours was a little bit situational. Like if you would get, yes, you were drinking a lot and yes, you were feeling horrible and you got into the winter blues and everything. But in a way you were telling yourself your own story. It wasn't so much a chemical imbalance that you were riding life, great job, working out, eating well, and, and then you weren't feeling well. 
and the chemical imbalance. It was very much stories that you were telling yourself based out of your emotions that was leading you to depression and to suicide thoughts and to being in this dark it, place. It was very much situational, but there's so many different things that you can from it's it's starting to become proven more and more of, of how food like how the blood brain barrier is connected. And so you know how it is. If you if you eat great, you feel great. A hundred percent. And so 100%. there were so many things. Yes. Yeah, situationally, me eating yes. crappy, drinking like exactly. it, it does alter chemically, right? A little bit, but. Uh, it, and you were, as you said, you started eating properly. You started yeah, running. Yeah. That was the beginning of your recovery. It, it, that was it all the came, beginning. It came to self-love. So when you talk about, I focused on what I could control. That was what I could control was, yeah, like what I ate, what, what I thought, like how I looked at myself in the mirror or whatever it was, but I had to fall back in love with myself. And yes. so once I, once I did that inner work, everything, yes. you know, it came, it came together. And so that, yeah. It's amazing how fast you did that because it usually takes years to, I was just um, interviewing a doctor yesterday. Uh, a, psych a clinical psychologist. And she says she focuses on helping moms fall back in love with themselves. And that's the, if you want to be a good mom, you need to love yourself because it's hard. It's hard to give when you're depleted and you don't leave, love yourself. So the number one is self-care, self-awareness, self-love. And how do we fall in love with ourselves when we are so depleted? I told her that then I believe that when everybody comes to ask me about how do I heal when I'm so broken, I'm depressed, I have anxiety, whatever it is, like what's the first step? Because you could do a million things. It could be food, exercise, meditation, yoga, running, climbing, uh, group therapy, private therapy, healers, a million things. But And you can have all of them. You can have the best therapist, the best medication. If you don't have self-love and self-compassion and self-care, nothing will stick. It will work for a little bit and then something's going to break it down. It's going to work for a little bit and it's going to keep on breaking. If you have a good foundation of self-love, self-awareness of what you need and what works for you and what what is good for you, you can get through anything. And and I still get a lot of people will ask, they'll, they'll, they've heard my story or whatever, and they'll reach out and like, hey, my nephew is, he's suffering from depression or someone like, how do I talk to them? And like, what I will always say to them is it's, it's off of that where it's like, just make sure that they feel loved and supported that they, that they, that they're making a difference or that they're special that way. And um, you don't have to sit down and be like, you know, how are you feeling? Or why are you depressed? Or because that just, that probably piss people off or, you know, they're, they're going to shut down. And they're going to be defensive, but by making people feel better about themselves um, and and feel part of something bigger than themselves, or that they're they're that that they are providing an impact, or that they're special and supported, and um, I think it's the best thing that we can do for anyone. Are you still super super into races and competitive? Like, is this still a, a tremendous drive? Yeah. But or yeah, you still want to doing, run the ultras and the. Yeah, uh, I'm doing yeah. um in. September, there's a 200 mile race in Tahoe called the Tahoe 200. That I've not done a 200, so this is the first time I've never heard of a 200. So it's never actually yeah, 205 miles around the, the lake. Um, and then how long I'm, does it take? It probably take a few days of just running, no sleep. Yeah, well, you in that race, you're going to take probably just um, a quick power nap, you know, like it, once you have a pacer, you can have a pacer after mile 100 you're basically going to lay down the trail and take like a two to five minute nap and, and wow. get up and go. And when is this? Uh, September 11th. Are you training? Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow. Train for that. And, and part of my training, I'm going to do another 200 mile run. I'm, I'm working with runner's world and outside magazine. <laughs> some cool that it was interesting after my Facebook post, they, they reached out and they're like, Hey, we want to do, we, we want your story. And so here in a month, they're going to come out with my story, but I'm, I'm going to do in the grand Canyon. There's a, a trail. It goes from the rim Rim to rim to yeah. rim. Okay, so rim to rim to rim. So if you go rim, rim yeah. to rim to rim is 50 miles, which hasn't been done before, but I'm going to do it four times in a row. So rim to rim to rim times four. So that's about 200 miles um, unsupported. And so, and, and that's solely just for with, for me to help raise awareness for mental health. It kind of seems counterintuitive to do something stupid like that for mental health. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh my yeah. God. Are you going to have sponsors for that? Yeah, yeah. There's a... Uh, yeah, I've been. There's some several really big companies and hospitals and stuff that are going to help out. Are you sure you can make it through that? By the way, Andy oh. Heck, that's in our in our group, said that it was one of the hardest things he's ever done. Rim to rim. rim, to rim. A lot of people in our group did it. By the way, it's like okay, it's you. You should ask about it because a lot of people did it, and they said, and they're triathlon. They're yep. they, they they do ultra. They're they're like. Wow. Like people in the group, like crazy. And they said it's what was one of the hardest things they've ever done. It's tough. I mean, imagine. And you're going to do it four times? You're going up and down the Grand Canyon. Yeah. It's uh, It's insane. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I've only done it once years ago. And so for some weird reason, I got that stuck in my head to do that. And so. I don't know. We'll see. (laughs) Hopefully I make it through it. When are you doing this? Um, I'm actually... I need to commit to a date, but it's going to be, it's supposed to be in the fall, like in October, but I may bump it up into uh, August, July or August, which is the worst time to go down to the Grand Canyon to do it. But I kind of want to do it before the Tahoe and, and use it as preparation for it. But wow, I don't know. Wow. In July and August, I mean, you're most of the time well over a hundred degrees and exposed. Yeah. And so it's, it's going to be a added definitely another element to it. Wow. Well, you seem to be much stronger now emotionally. Yeah. You seem to be very motivated. Do you have some days that you have suicide thoughts? No, no. I mean, like you said, there, I, there's sometime every now and then some weird, you know, some trigger will hit and those thoughts kind of come back and it's just like, no, like, I don't know. Um, it's definitely, I, I don't think I ever have like the thoughts I'll get, I'll get pretty, I'll, you know, some things will get me going down that route or depressed, but I bounce out a lot quicker now. You, and you know the you know that that working out, running, keeping focus, very low drinking, what goes in your mouth should be healthy. So you already know. And the fact that you talk about it is already a huge step for healing because you're not living in this big secret. And I talk about it a lot that living in the secret is one of the biggest enemies to our healing because the shame and the fear of the judgment is so much bigger than the reality. And it just adds so much weight to our pain that we have now. Kudos to you for sharing and inspiring others to share. What would be one message that you want to leave the audience with for Mental Health Awareness Month? Yeah. I don't know why I thought you were going to say it. You asked me that, but for sure. <laughs> like, I hope she doesn't ask me that. Um, you don't have to answer. <laughs> no, I mean, well, and I used to have a good answer to that when I think through it. But for me, off of my story and for mental health awareness, it, it's just, it's one step at a time, right? Like it's it's taking a look at that next tree, um, no matter what. I mean, it, it's just persevering, you know, you, you, you'll have another heaven soon, um, but it's... In this world, yeah, not in this Yeah, world. right, exactly. <laughs> May exactly, create yeah, the heaven exactly. here. <laughs> But I mean, it's, it's, um, I, I became 
really, I got really interested into, into stoicism around, you know, with Marcus Aurelius and Seneca and the, all these philosophers that were awesome. Or Viktor Frankl, if you ever read The Man's Search for Meaning, which is a, a yes. fantastic book. You know, it, it's the only thing in life that we can control are, are, is our reaction to things. And so it's um, just taking a step back and, and uh, thinking about that when, when someone pisses you off or something happens and just um, think about how you're reacting to it. Good idea. And do like what you said about your marathon. Just one more step till the next tree, till the next tree, till the next whatever it is. If it's the next minute, is it the next hour? Is it the next day? Just don't look the long path, just a little bit further. Last question. What does hope mean to you? Yeah, I don't know. So when I think of hope, I don't, I don't really, the, what I see is light, right? Like when I, when I see, when I think of hope, it's not like a necessarily meaning, but I just envision some sort of light and love. Um, and, and so that, you know, it's just, um, that's kind of what it means. You know, that's not really a definition, but it's, it, that's kind of what it means to me. That means to you light. Yeah. Right. It means to you light and light is, is a lot. I, I like that. We can, we can just vision like sunshine. It's funny. I say this all the time and my audience probably said, okay, Matana, you've said it so many times. But when people ask me, what is hope? I say that at, after every night, the sun comes up and sometimes the night is longer. There are certain places in the world that the sun is, the sun rises only after six months. And sometimes it's after six hours. The sun always comes up at the end of the night. It just, you have to be patient for the night to end. So it's very similar to the light that you're envisioning. The light comes and light is love. Light, light is comfort. So I like that. Where can people reach you or find you or follow you with these craziness yeah. stuff? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm on uh, Facebook. Uh, I think it's just uh, Christian Hampshire, Christian.Hampshire or uh, Instagram is a uh, Hampshire. So H-A-M-P-S-U-R-E. So Hampshire, I guess. Um, but so yeah, you can check me on Instagram. You know, I post all my pictures of, of my running and, and uh, my and weird thoughts. But um, then there's the band together that I, I just kind of started up. And so that's like band, like a, like a, you're banding people together. So B-A-N-D, the number two, then G-T-H-R. We'll have it in the show notes. So yeah, you can go band together. There's a Facebook. We're all, we're, we're, what we're doing is off of the name band together. There's a, I came up with a, a name called bandits. So, um, you know, it's it's our community. It's a it's a private group that we have a lot of amazing things planned to do with the bandits. Um, so once COVID and all this stuff happens, you know, it was gone. There's gonna be an offline and online group. So we'll have meetups. We'll do different things. But it's a private group where hopefully people will feel more comfortable to share their stories. You know, if they're going through something or or how they can help someone. And um, so we have a lot of really cool things going with that. And so I would encourage everyone to to check out Band Together and and the and hit. Uh, to join the, the the bandit group. Do you have to be an athlete like you to join? No, absolutely not. Can I be a athlete hater? You can be an myself <laughs> because I, I I hate mountains. I hate running. I hate anything that that elevates my heartbeat. Okay. I just yoga is my zen. Meditation yoga is my zen. But okay, so I just wanted to make sure that it's for anyone. Anyone it's, it's, that just yeah wants yeah to no, be. it's not just for runners or whatever. It's okay. It's for anyone. Um, okay, Kristen, thank you so much for sharing and for being an inspiration to the world. That even if we have a visual of our suicide attempt, we can overcome it, and we shouldn't live with it in our fears to share with the world. And we're just like everybody else with fears and with hard times and the light comes up and we can move forward and love yourself. 
it all starts with self-love, self-acceptance. So thank you. If you enjoyed this episode and you think of one person that you can help, please share it. One person that you might inspire that can you can maybe save their life or somebody they know that is going through a hard time, share this episode with them. Tell us how, how you went through life. If you had moments like this, we would love to hear from you. Share your story. Let's break the stigma now together, especially during the month of May. Let's bring awareness because it's really dark alone doing this alone. So let's do it together because the mental health together is better. Bye till next time. Thank you for joining us and taking the time to listen. I really appreciate it. Please hit the subscribe button so you can hear further episodes. If you are listening to us on iTunes, please leave feedback and ratings below. Let us know if there's any topic that you would like to hear from us in the future. Bye till next time.